Hello, friend, and thank you for joining me today on the Taste and See podcast. Have you ever walked through a crisis? How did you feel? What was going through your mind? Today, we are sitting down with author, worshiper, and mom, Sarah Nelson, to talk about her book, A Perfect Storm, Devotions During a Crisis, and how God moved and intervened when Sarah and her family walked through a life-threatening crisis with her then two-year-old daughter almost eight years ago. Sarah and her husband, Mark, have been married 19 years and live in Waco, Texas with their three children, Seth, Hannah Grace, and Adelie. Sarah is also a contributing writer and influencer for thewacomoms.com, an online parenting publication, and was published in the Roaring Lambs Ministry, Stories of Faith, Volume 2, in 2017. Sarah has had the opportunity to speak to women's groups and events and interviews on radio and televised segments to share her testimony and raise awareness to educate about the signs of strokes in children. Sarah also has a heart for music and has been gifted with opportunities to lead worship in different capacities since the age of 13. She has combined her passion and skill for writing to partner with organizations such as the American Family Radio and Gospel Music Association, while releasing original music as an independent artist within the Christian contemporary genre. Sarah graduated from Baylor University with a bachelor's in marketing, has a background in business, and is currently on staff at First Woodway Baptist Church as a connection coordinator. So sit back, grab a cup of coffee, and join me at the table for a heart-to-heart conversation with Sarah Nelson, coming up next on the Taste and See podcast. Welcome to the Taste and See podcast, a kingdom-based podcast that exists to encourage saints, empower believers, and reach the lost with the goodness of God. Psalm 34, 8 proclaims, Taste and see that the Lord is good. To taste is to experience, while to see is all about perception. Join us as we discuss our experiences in the kingdom of God and discover how we can impact the world around us through a new lens. Here is your host, Josh Emmerich. All right, everyone. Our discussion on the show today centers around a personal story that Sarah will share of how God walked their family through a crisis. Her newest book, A Perfect Storm, Devotions During a Crisis, was written as a response to God's intervention during that time. Sarah, thank you so much, and welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on with us today. Thank you for having me. So, Sarah, tell us about you. How did you come to know Jesus? How did you come to this point? Um, Tell us just a little bit more about you growing up and your family and your life in the church. Okay, well, I currently live in Waco, Texas. My husband, Mark, and I have been married for 20 years. I have three children. Our son, Seth, is 15. Our daughter, Hannah Grace, is 13. And our youngest daughter, Adelie, is 10. And during our 20 years of marriage, we've lived in Waco, Austin, and Miami. So we moved a lot, had a lot of different opportunities. Uh, We don't live in a box very well. We're kind of just on the go a lot. Uh, but as far as me, I graduated from Baylor, is wh- where I met my husband. Go and I'm going to kind of work backwards here. Yeah, go Bears, sick them. Uh, work backwards here. I grew up in Dallas, Texas, and I grew up very active. I loved sports, but my first calling was music. I love music. I was born 
to sing and loved just to perform. Um, But at a very young age, I felt called into music ministry. And so that was really my first calling in ministry was in music. And before that, I, at a young age, about eight years old, I accepted Christ. And so it's been a journey where I have grown up as a Christian. That doesn't mean I haven't derailed at times. Um, But what I can say is that God has made himself known to me, even as a young child. And I remember someone guiding me as a young child, just reminding me to ask for wisdom and that the Holy Spirit would just make himself known to me. And so I have. And so when I have messed up and when things haven't gone well as a Christian, the whole point is that he makes himself known. And I have experienced that at a really young age. And so I'm, my testimony is, yes, I have been a Christian um, and grown up that way. But it is amazing the journey that God takes us on. And um, <clears throat> I've been doing things recently that I never thought I would do. I never aspired to be a writer or an author or a speaker. And it's interesting because I actually have a business background along with music ministry, and those things are in my skill set. But when I felt God leading me to do it in this format, I had a lot of fear, you know, because in order to do that, it's not just getting up and leading out on a song where the lyrics are written for you, or you write the lyrics and you know what there's, those lyrics are going to be beforehand. This requires total, honest transparency and vulnerability at a level that can be really, really scary. And so I I bring those points of my past together because um, this book and this testimony that we're about to talk about has really ushered into a ministry that God has called me to. And it's been interesting over the years to see how he has prepared me for that. That's awesome. It's it's really cool to see how God's just over time grown you in different areas. And, you know, it's funny how, how God loves to stretch us for his glory. And, uh, you know, I can, um, you know, it, it's funny that you have a music background because I went to school and my three majors were pastoral ministry, worship ministry, and business. <laughs> so, so nice. that whole great background combo. and perspective. Yes, yes. Great Great combo. So thank you so much for sharing your story, just so we can get to know you a little bit more better. So in February of 2014, your family experienced a pretty significant event with your two-year-old daughter at the time. If you're comfortable sharing, would you walk us through what happened that day, the events that transpired, and what was going through your mind during this time? Mm -hmm. So in 2014, February, so it's um, about eight years now, and we were traveling to Park City, Utah from Waco, Texas. It was our first family of five ski trip. My husband and I had skied in Park City uh, prior to having kids for years. Um, Our other two were five and seven at the time, and they had been in ski school before up in Park City. But Adelie was two now, and this was our first time to all go like I said, as a family of five. And so we traveled up there. We met my sister-in-law and her husband and their two girls. We we traveled. We settled in the ski lodge. And during this time, I will tell you, my mother's 
intuition was kind of on point. I was just noticing different things. Um, I had already been noticing and kind of prepping Adelie because she was going to be in the daycare center at the bottom of the ski slopes. And so I was already kind of on edge because if you have little kids, you know, you want them to transition well, you want it to be a good experience. I had been prepping her for weeks and telling her what a great time she was going to have. And that's always uncomfortable. Even if it's the best daycare in the world. It's always just a little uncomfortable leaving your toddler in a new place. But I had noticed that she was really quiet when we traveled. So I was picking up on all the details. My mother's intuition was kind of in gear per se. And so we get there, we settle in. And the next day, something changed in my daughter. I noticed her face or half of her face was not working properly. I noticed that in the morning by three o'clock that afternoon, I noticed that she still was not talking back to me like she normally did. And I noticed her legs started to dip. So from there, we rushed her to the hospital. And I knew in my gut something was wrong. And once we got her to a children's hospital there in Park City, Utah, the emergency doctor looked at me and he said, I'm I'm worried about your daughter. I think she's suffering from a stroke. And so she suffered an ischemic stroke and ultimately lost within 36 hours of that diagnosis, had lost her ability to walk, talk, and really the whole right side of her body was paralyzed. Hmm. Wow. And so uh, how long was she in the hospital for? You know, what was the, I don't want to say aftermath, but what was... Was there any therapy involved? Was there any sort of treatment that was involved afterwards? How long did that last and what did that look like? Yes, she was in the hospital there in Salt Lake City for two weeks once she was stabilized. And part of that stabilization is running the test, seeing what was wrong, the cause, the root. Uh, But when she was stabilized and could eat or swallow, she was then transferred to an inpatient child rehabilitation hospital in Dallas. So that was good because it was my hometown and in our back door and I had family there to support us. And so she and I then were admitted into the inpatient rehabilitation hospital where they would teach her to walk, talk, and begin all of the different physical therapies, occupational therapies, and speech therapies that she would need. And so originally they thought she would be there eight to 12 weeks. Um, She actually was there only four weeks. Um, But then after we got home, April 1st, 2014, she did have almost three years of weekly, I say weekly, three times a week of physical therapy and occupational therapy before she went into pre-K and kindergarten. And then from there, we've still had, you know, different plans at school. Um, But her recovery was amazing. And part of the testimony, she's a vibrant 10-year-old girl, and you would never know looking at her that she had suffered such a traumatic event. Wow, what a journey. Uh, what a span of years. And I have to ask, you know, you know, especially as a mother, and really, it's just as a human being, uh, what, what was going through your mind at that time? What were you feeling? What was your emotions like? Um, how were you feeling during that entire moment? In order to answer that question, I want to go back to the ER because in that moment, 
we entered in the perfect storm. And the pediatric neurologist told us that they couldn't find a cause which was good because that meant it did not come from any major organs or there were not any pre-existing blood conditions or um, something that was pre-existing within her. It just happened. And they described that as elements or components coming together at just the right time in just the right way in just the right place to cause a perfect storm. And when they told me she was having a stroke, it's almost like my mother's intuition knew it, but I didn't know it. And then we entered in to this whirlwind of doctors, nurses, IVs, um, tests. And it's as if the hurricane or the tornado was whirling around us and we were in the eye of the storm in slow motion, processing all of this information, getting the information from the doctors one after another, answering all these questions so that we could learn what was going on so that we could move forward step by step to try to care for our daughter and make the best decisions for her. But I will tell you, it's as if you're kind of living outside yourself in that moment. And before we got to the hospital, I had mentioned my mother's intuition was kicking in. Uh, And when I immediately told my husband that day when we were skiing and I picked my daughter up at the daycare and I looked at her And she looked back at me and she was still smiling a half a smile, which she had never done before. And I looked at her and I said, had it, did you have a good time? And she just looked at me and I just knew in my mother's gut that something was wrong. And so I immediately rushed her out to my husband and I said, we have to get her to a doctor. We have to get her to a doctor now. Like we have to see her. And so we're loading everybody up in the car to get to this, the ski lodge, which was less than five minutes. And we're having this conversation. We, we unload everybody from the car to the ski lodge. And my husband and I are having this conversation at the same time. I'm on the phone with the pediatrician's office in Waco talking to the nurse and I'm telling her what I'm seeing As I'm talking to her, I'm noticing Adelie's right leg start to dip, which she's never done before. And I'm communicating that back to her. And I'm communicating to the nurse what Mark and I are talking about what we think we're going to do. Like, what's the plan? And and he was speaking logic into the situation. And he was saying, let's take her to the ski clinic on the side of the mountain and we'll see what happens. And then if it's serious from there, they'll take her to a child's hospital. And I told him, I said, I just don't feel like that's right. Like, I feel like we just need to take her to a hospital. But he said, let's take the necessary step. Let's take it step by step, which in most situations, that's what you do, right? You take it step by step. But this felt like an exception in my mother's gut. And he was speaking reason. He was speaking logic. But my mother's intuition just allowed me to feel that 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 did not feel right. And so we're having this discussion with the nurse We get off the phone. I'm communicating to him what she's telling me. And she calls me back within two minutes. And she said, Sarah, do not take her to the clinic on the side of the mountain. She said, I just talked with your pediatrician. You take her to the hospital in Salt Lake City and you take her now. And our pediatrician had actually worked with a doctor in that children's hospital and said, it's a fabulous hospital. You take her now. We literally were in full ski gear. I picked up my purse her diaper bag and my two-year-old daughter, and we loaded her up in the minivan and went straight into the city. And it was as if we were just going through slow motion. And that is a lesson to me that we have to listen to 
our mother's intuition, our parents' intuition, the Holy Spirit prompts us. So that was the Mm. first kind of validation that I was getting and knowing that I knew something was wrong with my child. And so fast forward, we're in this whirlwind of the ER and we are in the eye of the storm and they whisk my daughter away for a CAT scan and then an MRI. And I stepped out into the hallway of this dark corridor, which was not busy that night. I don't know why. And I looked down the hallway and down the hallway, I saw a light. Nobody was down the hall. It was empty. And all of a sudden, I just felt God speak to me. And I stood there facing down the hallway and I heard him say, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Sarah, I am here. I am God and I am constant. And immediately I felt a cloak of peace just drape over my shoulders and it sustained the knot of stress within my stomach. It didn't make it go away. And I don't think it, as a parent, it's meant to go away, but it sustained the stress that I was feeling. And it gave me the resolve that I needed to look at our life because the rug of normality had been been pulled out from underneath us. So in that moment, God spoke his word to me. He made his presence known. He spoke my name. He spoke his word. And he breathed lessons through me in that moment that sustained me to this day. And I knew in that moment, because at the time I'm, I'm envisioning my life, am I going to need to get a handicapped minivan? Am I going to be pushing her down the hallway at her Mother's Day Out program in a wheelchair? Can I get her stable on a walker? Like, I just didn't know what our life was going to look like. And this is all whirling in my head. And in that moment, with that simple phrase and his words spoken over me, I just felt eternal hope because I knew, I knew that no matter that her body was broken, if she never completely healed this side of heaven, she would be whole again in eternity with Jesus. And it gave me this understanding and perspective of how temporal this life is, how quickly this life goes by. And that peace sustained me. And so that is the thought process. That is what was taking place. Those are the feelings when we stepped into this perfect storm. Mm. It's wonderful. And I love that story of of how God really um, just intervened in your life in a really big way in that moment and made his presence known in you know, when you said that you felt that he was blanketing his presence and his peace over you, you know, I, I'm reminded of that scripture that says his banner over me is love and how gracious and how good and how loving God is, even in the moments when we feel like it's not possible and in the moments where we even feel like sometimes we don't deserve it. Um, but yet he is there um, spreading his banner over us through and through. And so tell Tell me, Sarah, where are you at today in regards to all of this? You know, how has God been sustaining his presence in your life now? Um, and, and, you know, just again, where are you at today in regards to all of this? You know, it's interesting. I'm really seeing the fruit of the ministry that God has formed from this experience because f- you know, it took a while to get through this aftermath, years, in fact. And 
it's it's definitely a long story, but while I was in the rehabilitation hospital with Adelie, I began to feel led to share this story. You know, there are other stories in my life where I feel like God's presence was known, but I never felt compelled to share it like I have now. And and there's a beautiful story about one of our friends and their family. Um, and she's a featured guest. Her name is Shelly Reeves, and she is a featured guest in Devotionals 24 and 25. And she gives her testimony about how our situation walked her through the loss of her infant daughter. But I didn't even know that at the time. And this devotional walks through that story of how God moved in that way to minister to her. And I had no idea what was going on. And so as he has taken me step by step, he has led me step by step to say, okay, you're going through this aftermath. Now he was, he compelled me to start writing it down. Then he compelled me to begin to write it in the format of a devotional. Um, he gave me people to speak into that. And then he uh, led me to let go of a business to start this platform of writing, which seemed out of left field. And he has taken me through these exercises of blind faith. And I, eight years later, am now starting to see the fruit of that. We have this published devotional, and I've had the incredible opportunity of speaking to women and groups of people who have walked through a crisis. And it is incredible to see how God ministers through these stories because people can relate to them. And they relate to going through times where we don't know how to respond, or we're not sure what the bigger picture is, or we don't know if there's going to be healing on this side of heaven. And the stories that I hear from people and how meaningful God's testimony is through this devotional have just been incredible. And eight years or seven years, six years, how long you want to you know, say, it's a hard, that's a long time to feel like you're moving forward and to wait to see fruit. That's a long time to wait to kind of see it develop into something where you actually start seeing the work that God is doing. And so that is where I am today, but I'm so thankful to be at that place. I can now see it in my daughter and how she's wanting to share her testimony with people. And it's really incredible to have this platform in ministry that, you know, 10 years ago when I felt the Lord you know, calling me not just to music ministry, but more, I said no, because I had no idea what that was, what was in store, you know? And so I didn't want to speak. I didn't want to write, but just being available to what God had opened the door. And it's an incredible lesson of finding joy in something that I never thought I wanted to do. It's just so incredible. Uh, You know, how you're how you talk about your story and about how God's been using this story and your daughter's story and how she is even um, really excited to even share her story at times. And, you know, there are 7.7 billion people in this world, 7.7 billion. And my pastor said this one time, and, and I'll never forget. He said, every number has a name and every name has a story and every story matters to God. And that's so good about how your story and her story, your husband's story, your family's story, mm. the doctors, the nurses, your parents' story, your your church and community stories all during this time 
matter to God. And I just imagine, just sit back and I close my eyes and I just imagine this beautiful symphony of all these different stories just playing out together and about how God made his presence known. And that is just so, so amazing. So why a devotional? You know, if I'm honest, I've read a lot of books where people have gone through different experiences, but I've never really seen one in a devotional, which is very unique. What made you decide to write a devotional instead of just a regular book like a a biography? Great question. I still think I can answer that question. (laughs) Um, So when it comes to the devotional, it allowed me to break up the lessons that God breathed through scripture during this time. He was teaching me lessons and we had a Sunday morning class at church that brought us this gift basket to the hospital. And in it was these scriptures written on note cards on like a a ring from a three ring binder. And I could just flip through those scriptures and my friends had written out scriptures and signed their names. And then we're praying these scriptures of strength and refuge over us. And every single one of the scriptures was a lesson God just breathed into the situation. And I could see the prayers of everyone coming to fruition. And I began to feel a sense of responsibility and compelled that this story wasn't just to be shared to share it, but it was to be shared to see how God was building the faith of other people as well. Because I got to see the progress and the prayers that people were praying come to be through my daughter. And it was incredible. And so I used the scriptures in each of these daily devotions, and those are the scriptures that our friends brought us to, brought to us, and that I used every day in the hospital. And so that is where that format came from: is the desire not just to share a story, but to understand how God used His Word in our situation. Because so many times people relate to stories, but then I wanted to, and I felt called for people to be able to take something and apply it to themselves. And that's where this devotional is really unique because it shifts when you get into later on in the devotional when my friend Shelly tells her story and I get to tell the story of how our testimonies link together and intertwine. There is a shift from looking inward and receiving God's comfort to then being able to look outward as 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 state. And I'm just going to read that scripture right now because it gives us the chance to take what we've experienced and use it for God's glory to minister to other people. It says, Praise be to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we receive from the Lord. So it's the shift from an inward focus to an outward focus. That is where true healing and glorification takes place. Because if we continue to just hold it in and have an inward focus, we don't get the full understanding of how God can be glorified through our grief. He doesn't want those things to happen, but he allows his glory to be shown through those situations because he wants to show us how he works in those dark times for us. And just to circle back to your the first part of your question, I was literally sitting with my husband 
in an Italian restaurant one year after Adelie's stroke, and I had been feeling compelled to write this down. And I, I share this in the introduction and the journey to write because I didn't really understand it. And I was chewing on it and I was toiling over it and I was thinking about it. And I sat down on Valentine's Day and kind of poured it all out to him. And what I hadn't told him is that I was thinking I was supposed to share it in a devotional format to include everything that I had just unfolded for you. And I kind of laid everything out on the table, literally on the table for him. And he just looked at me. He goes, oh, that's easy. That sounds like it's in the format of a devotional. Oh, simple answer. And I just looked at him and I was like, oh, that sounds so simple for you to have you know, this epiphany when I've been toiling over this for months now, trying to figure out what this is going to look like. And so God spoke into that moment, and I feel like gave me a confirmation of what I had been praying about. I love that. When you were talking about seeing the evidence of your fruit and about how you take that fruit in um, this reflection of this story and this purpose and this lesson that that God walked you through and, and just taught you. Um, you know, I'm reminded of Jesus when he was with his disciples and he asked them, who do people say I am? Some said, well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah. And, and Jesus says, but who do you say I am? And Peter and I have to imagine if I was like Peter and he was like me, he was a human. He was like you. He was a human. He probably wrestled a lot with who is this man? You know, I'm seeing all these signs of wonders. I'm seeing him working in the lives of people. But Jesus looked at him and said, who do you say I am? And he says, you're the son of God. You are the Messiah. And Jesus looked at him and said, upon this rock, I will build my church. And I can't help but wonder, you know, if we put ourselves in the position of Peter in the moments that we wrestle, but when we embrace those moments and we look at God and we stare him straight in the face and we realize all along what he's been wanting to teach us and how to grow us through that moment, Jesus looks at us and said, that's awesome. I'm going to build my church through this. And so I'm seeing this evidence of God just building the church through discipleship, through your devotional. And I just frankly think it's it's really awesome. I think it's great that from a moment, a very scary moment at a ski resort in Utah, God is now using it to build his church. I, I mean, for those who are listening with us, if that doesn't want you to get out of your seat and start rejoicing and worshiping, I don't know what will, but it is a beautiful moment and it is a beautiful thing. And just one more question, it, it, you know, in the midst of all of this, what did you learn about the goodness of God? Because here at the Taste and See podcast, we really have a focus of seeing the goodness of God in the midst of everything. How did God specifically show you his goodness in the midst of all of this? In so many ways, he showed his goodness. I could taste it. I could see it. I could watch it play out in the scenarios through my daughter's healing and her jumpstart in recovery through the prayers of thousands of people who were praying for her. He made himself known to me in a way that is undeniable. And the one way that he really just showed his evidence was through 
the scripture, Psalm 118, 24. And as I mentioned, when I was in the rehabilitation hospital, I began to feel compelled to share on the caring blog that I had set up to update everyone how the Lord had used Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. He had used that to prepare me for this moment. And I knew he had been disciplining me in that scripture, but I didn't know what for. In fact, I thought it was for something completely different, but it was for this time. And it was during this time in the hospital that I began to feel compelled to share. And I had already been sharing the lessons that God was breathing on the Caring Bridge blog. I was feeling very vulnerable. It was very raw. I'm a parent walking my daughter through a crisis, um, watching her run for the first time in her therapy session, which was another miracle that took place. Incredible story. But I began to feel like he was kneading dough in my stomach and I could not shake it. And I didn't want, again, want to use this caring blog, caring bridge blog platform about myself. And so I really kind of just prayed about it, but kept pushing it off, kept pushing it off and I couldn't shake it. So one night I'm laying in the hospital bed, Adelie's asleep. And I said, Lord, I need a sign. I need you to show me that I am supposed to, to turn this platform into sharing this testimony that I feel like you've asked me to share because I don't want to do it and I don't want to make it about me. And so I went to sleep that night. Now we were in the Baylor Scott and White healthcare network, which is a faith-based hospital. And so they had chaplains and people who would come and pray. And for each breakfast, lunch, and dinner tray, they would also bring a scripture and a prayer. And so I prayed the prayer that night. The next morning I wake up and on her breakfast tray, what scripture do you think was on her tray that morning? Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And I said, okay, this is clear. This is a sign. And he literally served it to me on a platter. Okay. I cannot deny this. So I was like, okay, this is obvious. I wrote out the testimony wow. on my caring bridge, caring bridge blog, shared it. And I had to be okay with not knowing why. Because we don't always know the bigger picture. Just like you said, Peter didn't know the bigger picture when Jesus said, I'm going to build my church on this rock. Peter had no idea what that meant. So I had to be okay with just being obedient and knowing that I may never know why he called me to do that. And it doesn't seem like a big task, but sometimes those tasks in the moment feel like a really big deal and they feel really, really hard. So fast forward after she was released after only four weeks, which is another way God showed the evidence of of his power and his incredible healing over her. We got home, we were adjusting to life in our new normal, and I was spending time with my son in his field day. We were in the schoolyard with hundreds of kids running, playing, having a good time, and up walks my friend Shelly. And the December before, she had announced to some friends and I that she was expecting her fourth baby. And I hadn't seen her. I didn't know what was going on. I hadn't talked to her. I had been in this bubble. I was out for the first time that week, you know, trying to spend time with my son. And so I looked at her and I said, oh, Shelly, you look so beautiful. She was in her third trimester. I was like, what are you having? And she looked at me and she said, Sarah, I'm having a girl, but she's not going to live. And my heart cried and I had no words. I felt so ill-equipped. My child had just been through a life-threatening crisis, 
but she had lived. And not only did she get to live, she got to go home to live a fairly normal life pretty quickly. And I felt so ill-equipped. I didn't have the words. I didn't know what to say. All I could say was, I am so sorry. And then she looked at me and she said, this has been so hard. She said, but Sarah, I read your blog on Psalm 118.24. And she said, it changed my perspective. And she said, I'm praying for healing, but no matter what happens, I know God is good. And I was floored because it showed me in that moment that it was all that I needed to do was obey and let God do what only God can do. That's what he calls us to. But he allowed me to see the fruit and the evidence in how he was working. And then fast forward to June 25th, her daughter Caroline was born that day. It was not her due date, but she was born that day and she also passed. And Shelly writes beautifully in this devotional how she went home that night. She got into bed and all she knew to do was to pull the devotional from the side of the bed and to turn to June 25th. And what do you think the scripture was that day on June 25th? Psalm 118, 24. This is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. And it is incredible to see the goodness of God and how he has used both of these testimonies that we didn't even know. We didn't know how he was using that at the time to paint this beautiful, like you said, symphony of how to connect and minister to people and just to show the evidence That God is good and He wants us to see and feel and taste and know His presence in some of the hardest, most difficult times of grief and sadness. He will bring us out of that. And so it's filled with these moments where God has just really revealed Himself in that way. When you uh, mentioned all the uh, different points where that scripture came on, it reminded me of Belshazzar and Daniel and the writing on the wall. And how often does God give us writings in our wall? And sometimes we just miss it. But you fully embraced it, which I think is wonderful. And and I love that um, God is has brought healing to your daughter and, and to you as a mother and that you are now able to bring healing to people through your words. I mean, there is power in words. God spoke. He spoke the universe into existence. There is something in the power of words. And I think that's wonderful. So, Sarah, if people would like to uh, connect with you, how can they uh, connect with you if they if they want to learn more, if they want to hear more, um, you know, if they want to grab a copy of your devotional, how can they do that? And if there was one thing that we could take away from our time together, what would it be? What is our call to action from this conversation? Well, if they want a copy of the book, they can go to Amazon, The Perfect Storm, Devotions During a Crisis by Sarah Nelson. Pull it up and an easy order. It's delivered in Prime, which is super easy and nice. They can also go to my blog, which is sarahnelsonblog.com. And they can connect with me through my social media links. I love hearing from people and connecting them. They can also go to Facebook. Um, I do have the different podcast interviews just like we're doing right now. And they'll be able to see our interview or, or listen to our interview on there at some point as well. So we're excited about that. 
just to hear more of the story and behind the scenes. Um, But I'd love to hear the feedback from people. And so they can also subscribe. And we have lots of communication going out for that as well. The one action step, the action item that I think is so important, and it really comes from two fundamental principles in God's word that he states in Deuteronomy and Hebrews is that he is always with us and he is there. And it, and from that, then we can draw his strength and all of the lessons that he wants to offer us and his peace. And he wants to just minister to us as a father, like I wanted to minister to my daughter and care for her. So that's one. He is there for us. And number two, our action item is to take 2 Corinthians 1, 3, and 4 and take it from an inward perspective to look outward, to learn from what we have been through and how God has ministered to us, to then look and see where other people are, where other people are hurting so that we can minister to them. You know, there's nothing more powerful than understanding what someone is going through, and you can't understand something unless you've been through it yourself. You can offer empathy and support, but it's so powerful when someone has experienced what you've experienced and they can come up and say just the right thing, or maybe they know what to say. Maybe they know to say nothing. Maybe they know the kind of gift or food that you need or support that you need. And we have the power to do that for the, through the comfort that we've received from Christ. And so that is the action item. And that will take our focus from an inward perspective to an outward perspective, which will ultimately glorify God. Hi, friend. You heard today's call to action. Don't just keep God's presence and intervention just for yourself. Use it to build His church, your community, and the people around you. You can find all the links regarding today's conversation, including Sarah's book, A Perfect Storm, Devotions During a Crisis, her social media accounts, and blog by scrolling down to the show notes for this episode. You can also go to www.tasteandseepodcast.com, go to the guest page, and click on Sarah's bio. If you enjoyed today's conversation, would you just share it with your friends? Also, be sure to give this podcast a positive review and rating on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I appreciate the feedback and the opportunity to hear how much you enjoy the show and any suggestions that you may have. You can also leave us a voice message by visiting www.tastencpodcast.com and click on leave a voice message. Next week, we're going to be joined by Dr. Sam Hemby, ministry and leadership professor at Southeastern University, to discuss his newest book, Lead Like a King Queen, Leadership Principles from the Judean Kings and Queen. You do not want to miss that conversation. Plus, we will be having a special giveaway at the end of next week's episode. Blessings to you, my friend, and I pray that God would continue to build his church and reveal the beauty of his goodness to you. Until next time, this is Josh Emmerich. See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Taste and See podcast. We hope that you were encouraged and empowered by our conversation today. For future and past episodes, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Podcasts. You can also follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by visiting www.tasteandseepodcast.com. Now go, live for the kingdom, and always remember that the Lord is good.